Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, I am very excited to have you here with me today for a conversation that really has been a long time in the making and one that I'm I'm really, really excited about, actually. I have here with me my new friend, Bonnie Bakhtiari. Thank you so much for making time for the Boca Podcast, Bonnie. Nathan, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you today. Well, and we are going to, yet again, I know I say this a lot, but we're going to dive into yet another new topic, uh, well, at least take a different uh, twist on or put a different twist on the topic of brand position, more specifically defining what the idea of brand position even means. This is actually a question uh, that I ask our guests pretty much every episode now, what is your brand position? But I think there seems to be a little bit of confusion about what the idea of a brand position even is. You happen to be a brand specialist. This is what you do professionally. And so I wanted to have you on the podcast to shed some light on the topic. And we're going to actually get to that here in just a little bit. But like we do on all of our podcast episodes now, we usually start off with something called the aha moment. And this is just very simply something that you are a lesson, a big, tough, hard lesson that you may have learned as a business owner so far. What comes to mind? Uh, I love that you start every episode with that. Um, So thinking back on my journey as an entrepreneur, I think that one of the hardest lessons for me to learn was a lesson that I kind of learned uh, pretty early on into my journey as a creative. And that was with just creating boundaries for my work and creating boundaries uh, with my business, with my clients and things that allowed me to really pour into my work well, while also still protecting my personal time and protecting my relationships and the things outside of my business that really matter to me. So I like, I think many, you know, business owners can relate to this idea of kind of hustling 24 seven and working so, so hard and uh, just to get your business up off the ground and serve your clients well. And I realized that I was losing so much opportunity and so much time with my husband, with our family, with, um, you know, so many different people in my life because I was devoting so much of my time and my energy to my business. And I realized that, uh, something that I used to think is being restrictive, you know, this idea of boundaries is actually something that's really freeing, at least in my life and in my business of creating these very defined lines, uh, you know, through things like office hours or just, um, you know, kind of standard boundaries with my clients that really outline the expectations that I have for myself and that I also have for them about when I'm available or when I'm working or, you know, what that routine looks like. And it's something that uh, I think, you know, when you're in a more corporate setting, you can kind of take those office hours and things like that, those helpful boundaries for granted. But when you're building something from scratch by yourself, you know, those are things that uh, you really have to pour a lot of time and energy into cultivating and to figuring out what works through and what doesn't. So for me, I think that the hardest lesson that I had to learn right off the bat was that I could actually create boundaries that protected my business and also protected my life and still gave me the space and the energy and the opportunity to be the best version of myself inside and outside of my business. That's uh, what, first of all, you're a wonderful communicator. So thank you for that. And, and you very, very clearly outlined what this idea even means uh, about creating boundaries or outlining boundaries. Uh, you maybe even use the word parameters there. And I think the notion of creating or establishing parameters, not just when it comes to time management, but even for our business. And, and in fact, we're speaking about brand position today. That is very much about creating parameters. I think it's important as business owners. I, I know I personally got started in business um, kind of haphazardly as a photographer. Mm-hmm. And there was, there was not a whole lot of creation of parameters or boundaries or defining right. specifically how it was, well, first of all, what my brand position was, but then how it was uh, that I was going to ultimately create boundaries for the sake of my time. And um, so I think it's really important that that just that simple notion of proactivity and creating parameters, whether it's, hey, I'm going to stop working at this time during the day, or I'm not going to work on this particular day of each week, or you know, every Wednesday night is date night with my partner, or whatever it might be, beginning to 
take some proactive steps and creating even simple boundaries is, is really, really important for the sake, not only of, of ultimately enjoying the freedom and the flexibility that we can have as business owners, uh, but also so that we can continue to invest in, pour into those relationships that are so important in our lives. Uh, I have two kids, and um, I know that the last thing that I want is for my businesses to get in the way of me connecting uh, with quality time, certainly with with my kids. I, we just enjoyed a game last night of, of uh, poker, for example. We love just sitting around the table, playing a game, having conversation, listening to music. I love that kind of opportunity. And while there's plenty to do in my business, um, that evening time really is kind of set aside or set apart for them. And uh, I like to, to not only create that expectation for them, but then follow through on it. So those types of boundaries are really important. I'm glad that you started us off with that recommendation, that advice. I think it's really, really important that we do that. Now, I'd love for our listeners to get to know you a little bit. You mentioned your husband, and I want to hear a little bit more about your husband here shortly, but tell us something random that most people don't know about you. Oh, that's such a good question. So I actually don't have wisdom teeth and I found out, um, speaking to my husband, I, you know, was, we've been together for a long time and I remember very vividly when he got his wisdom teeth removed and, you know, all, all of my friends, all my family, you know, everyone in my life at some point has had their wisdom teeth removed. And so I knew that I was dreading the time that I would go to the dentist and they would tell me that, Hey girl, it's, you know, getting close to time when you need to get those wisdom teeth taken out. So, uh, this was a few years ago, but I went to the dentist and they took x-rays and I asked them about, you know, Hey, so should I like get this scheduled? Is this something I need to put on my calendar? And they said, Oh, actually you just don't have wisdom teeth. Like those aren't teeth that you have in your head. So you're just totally fine. You don't have anything to worry about. So apparently it's not the most common thing, but I just, didn't for some reason didn't come with those teeth and I'm not not really mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> well that is definitely random uh, but yeah. <laughs> but you can also say that you're unique. So that's a that's a unique random if you will. That's that's pretty funny. Um, I I don't even know do, do they normally remove wisdom teeth because I haven't ever had to have my wisdom teeth removed. Do they remove it for the sake of kind of minimizing crowding in your mouth or what's what's even the purpose of that? Yeah, you're exactly right. So what it is is your wisdom teeth uh, as you as you age, I think they can start to kind of descend in and kind of crowd out some of your other teeth. Ah, okay. And, uh, so it's usually something that I think, you know, most people have their wisdom teeth taken out, like, and, you know, kind of their, you know, late teens, early twenties, stuff like that. For a lot of people, it's something that I don't think you even have to have them taken out just because they're staying put. They're not crowding anything out. But I think, I think the big concern there is if your wisdom teeth are crowding out your other adult teeth, obviously that's kind of an issue that you probably want to fix. So, right. Well, yeah. but in, in your case, the less time that you have to spend in the dentist, the better, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like I have no qualms about going to the dentist, but if I don't have to have teeth pulled out of my head, I am completely on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful job starting off with a, a random fact about you, but you mentioned your husband and that you've known each other for a long time. Tell us a little bit about how you connected and uh, what does, what does he do? Yeah. So my husband and I met our freshman year of college. We went to the same university and we actually had all the same friends. And it's funny because we were dating different people at the time. We were totally not interested in each other romantically in any way, shape or form. We actually developed this very close knit friendship. And I mean, we were just best friends. And then in our uh, sophomore year of college, the stars kind of aligned and that friendship turned into something more and we started dating and we've been dating ever since. So we've been together for uh, a little over eight years and we will be married for six of those years, actually this summer, this July. So he is, I mean, just the best person that I know and the most supportive and encouraging and just kind of joyful person in my life. And he's actually a full-time student. So he is in the process of prepping for law school and all the great stuff that comes with that, like the LSAT and, you know, all the things. So he's going to uh, be applying to law school in the very near future. And that will be kind of an exciting new venture for both of us. When we got married, he was in the Air Force and that's something that took us all over the country and actually was a big 
reason why I took the leap and started my business was I knew I needed to have something that was mine that I could take with me mm. wherever we traveled and wherever we were stationed. Yeah. And so after four years of his service, he decided to go back to school and is heading to law school. So we're really excited about what the future has in store for him. And I'm just really excited to be able to now kind of repay all of the times that he's cheered me on and all the times that he has propelled me forward and been there to support me and believed in, you know, big, crazy dreams that I had. So we're both very excited about what law school can mean for him and for his dreams and not so excited about LSAT prep, but <laughs> I think we're going to get through it together. <laughs> well, I, I love the supportive mentality. And of course, that's absolutely vital for any kind of intimate relationship. But um, mm-hmm. you you spoke to the to the preparation necessary and of course, the, the related time involved in preparing for that test and, and really being an attorney in general. What when it comes to this idea of creating free time, whether for you as, as an entrepreneur, um, for your husband, especially as he's spending so much time with school, how do you guys go about creating that free time? And, and what's what are some of the things you like to do with that free time that you create for yourself? So things that we really like to do, we kind of joke that we're like, we're very low key people. We're not the kind of people who, you know, we're going out every night or, you know, doing any, you know, big, crazy things on a regular basis. We really like to keep it simple. So we love cooking together. We love, you know, a good night in. We live in beautiful Waco, Texas. And so we love kind of adventuring around town. We have a a really beautiful park here that runs along the river. And so we like taking our our dog. He's a really sweet golden retriever named Boone. Uh, And we love, you know, just kind of being out together and going on walks and, you know, just enjoying a, a good old quiet night in on the couch, snuggling our dog and probably watching some Netflix. So, you know, we, we kind of focus on a lot of opportunities to cultivate quality time together in our routines, especially, you know, with him being busy and I'm busy and it's just something that's been really beneficial and how we really care and tend to our relationship. So it's something that we kind of prioritize and just like those boundaries that we talked about earlier with, you know, creating some boundaries with your business and your work life and figuring out what that looks like, um, you know, I personally stick to pretty strict office hours within my business, just so I know, you know, come the end of the workday, I can, you know, unofficially clock out and then go, you know, get started on cooking dinner with my husband or, you know, hanging out with him and our dog and doing things that really matter in that way. So, you know, like I said, we keep it pretty low key, but we try to really protect that time as well. Oh, simple is good though. I I really have learned to appreciate more and more just the simple things. And, And as you said, quality time, and it is that that very intentionality that you're referring to that can enable that. It's not it's not that we have such complicated lives in most cases anyway that we can't mm-hmm. simply prioritize the time that it takes to connect with a significant other or with our kids or friends or other family. Uh, we just have to prioritize it. And I, and I love that you make that point again. Now, you are a brand strategist, very simply. And I'm curious just if, if you'll... Uh, kind of talk a little bit more about what that means and, and how you even got started in this business. Yeah, that's such a great question. So I, uh, as a brand strategist and as a designer, I work one-on-one with my clients to create visual brands that are just a true reflection of the very core of their work. Um, And so I do that through not only the visual aspects of things like their logo, website design, you know, stationary and collateral and things like that. But I also do that through understanding a lot of the brand strategy and helping them really hone a lot of the brand strategy at the very core of their business through things like their brand's position or their mission, their vision, their values, who their ideal clients are, things like that. But I didn't, you know, just kind of always do this. I actually started my business right out of college. As I've, you know, mentioned my husband many times, uh, we were engaged my senior year and I was getting ready to graduate, looking at getting married and had a lot of really exciting changes on the horizon. And, you know, like what better time to start a business than in the midst of already a whole bunch of change. But (laughs) we, I decided that 
I wanted to try to build something that was mine, that I really had a sense of ownership over and that I could really take with me no matter what was going on or where I was living or any of those kinds of things. So I actually have a degree in journalism with an emphasis in news editorial, which basically just means I uh, specialized in journalism for print mediums. So I actually learned the elements of graphic design while I was in college learning how to design the front pages of newspapers and the covers of magazines and, you know, really fun stuff like that. And I really loved how with with design, you can take visually so many elements of a person's story, you know, whether that's through their brand or whether that's through the story that, you know, you're reporting in the news and you can really showcase that visually and pair that with the words that go along with any, any good story, you know, whether that's on a website or in um, a magazine article. And you can create something that your audience can very easily digest and glean so much good stuff from. So I always knew that I had this interest in design. And as I was getting ready to graduate, I realized that there was a kind of this space in the online creative community for affordable visual branding. And I thought I can, I can do that. I have, I have experience with, you know, so many uh, assets and aspects of that process. And I would love to be able to help you know, the friends of mine who are graduating and becoming photographers or, you know, becoming event planners, I'd love to help them create visual identities that could serve them well in the future. So I actually launched a little Etsy shop with some, you know, some pre-made designs and some custom options. And I, you know, just kind of thought, Hey, let's have fun with this. Like, let's see where this goes and how it can grow if it can grow. Uh, and I've been very fortunate in the fact that it, it did take off, that people were interested, that people were willing to take a chance on me. And, um, that was, uh, six years ago, actually this month. And it's been really, really humbling just to watch how my journey has gone over the years and also just how my services have, you know, really been able to refine them and uh, offer something that I'm very proud of and very proud to walk my clients through as part of my process. Well, and I think the fact that you studied communication in college, uh, and maybe this was already a strength prior to college, but it's, it's very obvious in the way that you communicate now. You're very concise and, um, and, and you're incredible at, at explaining, breaking an idea down. And that is really important when it comes to telling the story of a brand. And so I'm curious, how would you define, and we're going to talk about what a brand position actually means here shortly, but how would you define your business's brand position? What does that sound like? Mm -hmm. Well, the way that I like to kind of phrase it is I try to make it very clear that I'm a brand designer and a strategist for creative women entrepreneurs. And I specialize in crafting visual brands that reflect the heart of their life's work. So with that statement, I like to focus on what I do and who I do it for, and also how it's different in the sense of how my approach to branding, it goes deeper than just pretty visuals for the sake of pretty visuals or, you know, really cool websites for the sake of cool websites. I really try to go deeper with my clients to figure out how we can create a visual presence that really is just an authentic and very intentional reflection and representation of who they are and what they stand for. So that's uh, kind of kind of in a not so concise nutshell, you know, who I am and what I do and how I position my brand in the industry to stand out from other designers and strategists. Well, I, I wrote down what, who, and why there that you're communicating mm-hmm. through um, that brand position that you just described. And um, I think that's a, a good uh, summation maybe of some of the information that we're going to, to cover in more detail here shortly. But Definitely. how do you effectively communicate that that brand position to your potential clients? Is, you mentioned having an online business. Is that is that web, is your website really the primary means of communicating that brand position and converting a potential client? Website is huge uh, for you know that facet of getting that position across to potential clients. Uh, I really try and take that statement and I allow it to permeate every single touch point or every single point of contact that people have with me or my brand. So the fact that my business is online and I don't have a, a, you know a brick and mortar location, I'm not meeting with clients regularly in my home studio, you know things like that. I have to take where I am and where my clients can find me. So, you know, different 
online presences through social media or my website and use them and kind of leverage those to help communicate who I am and what I do. So I actually take that message and I echo it throughout places like my Instagram account or my website. Uh, And I also try and weave that throughout just tangible touch points, like the welcome guides that I send to new clients or investment guides that I send to potential clients, uh, and also even in emails that I send out. So you're not going to see me sharing my brand position word for word, but you do see that I actually allow it to influence the wording that I do use online and in person. So, you know, like I was saying earlier, so that it really makes it clear who you are and what you do and who it's for. And and you mentioned that word touch points and the fact that you consistently communicate that brand position, what your business, what value your business, your brand offers uh, and every, really any, any and every interaction with that potential client. And that's important to remember is the consistency in the presentation of that brand. So uh, this is really a great segue then into the topic at hand, which is this idea of defining what a brand position is. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier, it's a question that I've asked a lot on the podcast uh, because I think it's an important point. My friend Kevin Swan years ago kind of turned me on to the significance of this idea of a brand position. And uh, I think in conjunction with that, uh, a book that he told me about at the time, The 21 Irrefutable uh, laws of marketing, or maybe 21 immutable laws of marketing mm-hmm. um, that, that dives into this topic as well. But it's, it's really important when we have, we live in a world that's extremely noisy. And in order to set ourselves apart from those businesses and brands around us, certainly, as, as many photographers have pointed out on the podcast, it's important that our personality shines through. But in that process of connecting with a potential client, uh, while our personality is important, they have to understand what it is that we offer them that is different mm-hmm. than the you know the fifty or a hundred or two hundred other businesses in that market offer. And so, I, I'd love for you to help us break down what it actually means to have a clear brand position, what it's not, but then maybe what it is as well. And let's start with that phrase, brand position. Uh, it's it, we can break that up very simply into two different words. So, let's first of all define the word brand. How would you define the word brand, and how does that relate to photography businesses? I'm so glad that you asked this because I, at least I know in my experiences, this concept of branding and brands are things that there's a lot of misconception around uh, because I think it's really easy for us, especially in creative industries like photography or design to kind of um, almost oversimplify it and kind of equate it to just your logo or just your website or those, those, you know, things that we can, that we can see and engage with easily in that way. But in my experience, your brand is just that. I think it's an experience and it's a set of uh, values. It's a mission that you have, and it's ultimately a promise that you make to your clients through your work. Um, and I also like to remind my clients that your brand, it's, it's really not one dimensional. It's made up of multifaceted components like visual components, verbal components, and experiential components. So with photographers specifically, I actually work with a lot of photographers and I help them focus on the experience that they're crafting for their clients. So they can not only serve their clients well, but also so that they can invite their clients into this really cohesive and dependable experience that reflects their heart. Um, And I think that if we can focus on this bigger picture idea of your brand being the experience overall that you offer to your clients through some you know practical things like the visuals, the words you you know you say, and the uh, you know kind of encounters and interactions you invite them into. It's easier for us to kind of take control over that idea and create something that stands out in that noisy industry that we're all competing in. Well, and you use the word promise there, which I think is a really interesting word when we're talking about a potential value add, the value that your brand offers to that potential client. Yes, Mm -hmm. again, the personality of the photographer offering that photographic service is important. It will help distinguish the brand. However, the initial question that that client has when they come to your website is, what does this person offer me? And and more importantly, in fact, I'm actually reading a book right now that I cannot recommend enough. And I'm only, I don't know, four or five chapters into it. It's already been just so powerful. But it's a book called uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And it's and it's a really, I, I love the very minimalist approach that he takes to communicating uh, the principles that enable a business owner to effectively, first of all, establish their brand position, but then ultimately communicate it effectively. And 
it's really, really important that when a potential client comes to your site that you're able to communicate very clearly what that brand position is. But what he says is instead of making ourselves kind of the center of the the story at hand, that instead we actually make the client or the potential client the center of the story or the hero of the story mm-hmm. and talk about how we're going to enable them to be that, um, how we're going to enable them to be successful. And and so when you talk about this word promise, the fact that we, we are promising or that the significance of promising to that potential client how we are going to make their lives better, I think is really, really important. But that's the first component. That's the brand. When we say mm-hmm. brand position, um, I'm curious to get your take on what it means uh, that this word brand position. And I, I actually link uh, all of our guests um, to a Wikipedia article. When I say, what is your brand position, just for the sake of context and conversation. And and the first sentence of, of that Wikipedia link about positioning and marketing, it says positioning refers to the place that a brand occupies in the mind of the customer and how it is distinguished from products from competitors. Would you say that that is a, a, a good definition or how, what would you add to that? I think that's a, a great definition. I think that it breaks it down pretty clearly and concisely. I mean, kind of in maybe a, a more, you know, kind of casual way to say it, you could simply say that your brand's position is how you position yourself in your ideal client's mind. And I think we can think about this idea of brand positioning as all about how you educate your potential clients on how your work fits into their life becomes a lot easier to kind of wrap our minds around. It's not so intimidating, at least to me. Uh, If I can think about how I can take this concept of, of positioning and I can use that to my advantage to educate my potential clients about how my work is different and how it fits into their life and how, like you were saying, it adds value, then it's so much easier for me to brainstorm creative and genuine ways to make that happen. And it doesn't have to be this big, scary, overwhelming thing that stands in our way. Well, and I think that's very, speaking of clear and concise, you you are just that. And and so what I'd like to ask you next then is what, is, what, what are maybe just a few examples of phrases or statements that are not good brand positions? And, and if maybe, maybe there's a one, this is one that you have in mind, but uh, something that continued to come up on or has continued to come up on the podcast, um, you hear photographers talk about the idea that um, when I say, what is your brand position? They'll say uh, that they develop in some way, develop a close relationship with their clients. Is that a good brand position? Why or why not? So I think that that's the start of a really good brand position. I think that a really strong brand position has to give your potential client a very full understanding of who you are, what you do, how it's different, and also, you know, how it adds value. Um, And so I think that that something like, you know, um, I, I create a very personal approach with my clients or something like that, it is definitely a piece of that puzzle. It definitely has a place in that overall brand positioning statement. But I think that, you know, taking that a little bit deeper could be really, really powerful and could inspire even more connection and make it even easier for your ideal clients to connect with you and hire you, which I mean, to be fair, that's what this is all about is we want to make it easy for our people to find us wherever we are, whether that's online or in person and not only find us, but understand how they can work with us and how they can book us. Would you say too that, and something just comes to mind when I, when I heard a very, very similar answer to that question about brand position, the conversation became about relationships. It's hard to distinguish yourself from another photographer who is saying something very, very similar. And if so many people are saying Mm -hmm. the same kind of thing and not diving in a little bit deeper, and I love the way that you summed this up, who what, who are you? What do you do? Why is what you do different? And then maybe most importantly, how does it actually add value to the potential customer? Now we're diving deeper and there's opportunity and to, to add nuance to that conversation that will actually set you apart versus just kind of saying the same thing that everybody else says. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are a few other examples though, of maybe phrases or statements that are not effective or, or powerful brand positions? So I think that one that I see a lot, especially with my clients who are photographers and also just in kind of the the photography industry in general is uh, people who say that they're photographers for people in love. And I think that that's such an amazing sentiment 
But to be fair, it's not quite specific enough when it comes to a brand positioning statement that actually will set you apart. So when I hear someone say that they're a photographer for people in love, I instantly have questions as a consumer. I mean, you know, what kind of photographer are you and what kind of people, you know, people in love, that's a lot of different people. So what kind of people do you work with? Uh, And then also, how is your approach so different or so unique that I, as a client, absolutely to hire you. So that's one that I see a lot. And again, I think that the start of it at its core is great. But if we could just take it a little bit deeper, I think that it could be so much more uh, strategic and so much more effective. But another one that I see a lot is people who say that they're a wedding photographer who works in, you know, a specific city, in a specific town, in a specific state. So, you know, they're getting a little bit more specific about what kind of photography they offer and where they're located, which is hugely, hugely valuable. But there's also a missed opportunity there to go into detail about the kinds of weddings that you shoot. So, you know, there's so many different kinds and so many different kinds of couples that you could be working with. So if you go just a little bit deeper, it's going to make it easier for people to get the full picture of who you are and what you do and who it's for right off the bat. And then off the top of my head, another one that I can think of that I see frequently is um, saying that you're a photographer who specializes in engagements, weddings, and anniversaries. Again, like that's such a powerful start. That's so great. But as consumers, we're kind of left wondering what kinds of clients you want to work with. Is is there a way to kind of qualify and factors into the kinds of sessions you can take on or the kinds of clients you can work with? So statements like that, they are not as powerful as they could be simply because I feel like there's no way for people to see easily how your work is different and how it fits into their journey as a potential client. Okay. Well, so this is, and and I love where this conversation is going and we could probably kind of take each of those and break them down a little bit more, but maybe for further context and clarification, let's kind of flip this around. Those are three examples, three or four examples of brand positions that aren't effective and, and very simply they aren't effective because they don't follow that, that pattern of not only answering who is offering the service, what service, very, very specific service is being offered, why it's actually different, why that service is different Mm -hmm. from the other photographers in that market, and then how it actually adds value. What are, in contrast to those more effective or good, if you will, brand positions (laughs) that that are that are going to actually communicate clearly enough to that client uh, or are going to be compelling enough to that client, I guess, that they're going to actually want to act on them? I love that you kind of phrased this idea of using your brand positioning statement to inspire action because that's absolutely what what a good you know kind of uh, statement should do is it should make it easy for your potential clients to kind of self-select in a way of whether or not you are the creative, you are the best person for them for this very specific project, mm. or maybe on kind of the flip side of that, maybe you're not the best fit or they're not your ideal client. And that's totally okay because these statements can be so powerful and effective for us as business owners, because if we can put them out there and kind of build our presences around them, it helps people like potential clients figure out if we are the right kind of person for them or if they can just kind of keep moving along. So it saves us from uh, having to always explain over and over again who we are and what we do and how it's different, how it adds value, you know, all these important things so that we can really focus on where we can serve people best. And that's through the work that we do. Well, and I think it's really important too that that we're able to communicate that very briefly and concisely uh, for the sake of attention spans, certainly. Mm-hmm. But you know, one of the things that happens a lot of times, and you've probably seen this with photographers' websites, you you land on that homepage and you're scrolling endlessly through not only beautiful imagery, sure, but endless amounts of text. And what we have to keep in mind is that potential client may not necessarily be interested in in scanning through paragraphs of text for the sake of learning your story as much as just initially finding out how it is that you're going to add value to their story. So if they're they're a portrait, potential portrait session client, how are you going to benefit them and their need for a particular type of portrait photographer, a wedding photographer, if they're looking for a wedding photographer that uh, specializes in, you know, let's just say for 
for the sake of simple example, a journalistic style of photography, maybe all black and white, we start to get more mm-hmm. specific. They'll know if you offer that service or not by a simple phrase right there on that homepage the moment they land on it. I, I don't think that photographers are taking advantage enough of an opportunity to very clearly and concisely communicate that brand position immediately uh, without mm-hmm. the, the potential client having to scroll through the website. Would you agree? I would. I think that we take for granted the fact that as interested as we are to see other people's websites or, you know, as interested as those who are close to us are to see, you know, all the text and all the beautiful stories and all the amazing images that are on our websites, you know, a busy potential client isn't going to spend minutes and minutes and minutes coming through your website unless they are already really committed to um, to you and to your brand and figuring out how your work can really fit into their journey. Yes. So and, I, and I have to interject there because you made a yeah. really brilliant point, which is it's not that your story, you as the photographer, it's not that your story is not interesting or the personal side of that relationship potentially might be interesting to that, to that client, but that's going to come after you sell them on the value that you bring yes. to their story. And I think that's a really, really important distinction. I'm so glad you made it, but please continue. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I am just in so much agreement with what you were saying about how I, I think that it's this, our websites as tools can be such a really fantastic way for us to inspire that initial point of connection where then we can take that as an opportunity and build on that to really create that relationship and cultivate that closeness and that, um, you know, very authentic kind of partnership or collaboration or, you know, however you want to describe your unique approach to how you work with your clients as a photographer. But your website should be that kind of first point of contact that makes it very clear for them to understand how you are going to be the best fit for them and what they need. Um, So kind of like taking that idea and giving it sort of a real world example. um, So it's not so abstract. Uh, Actually, there is a husband and wife photography team based in Denver, Ashley and Graham Scobie, who I had the pleasure of meeting and they're such amazing photographers and such amazing people. But I think they do a fantastic job of really being clear on their website and through all these different touch points about their brand positioning and who they are and how it's different. And I actually wrote this down because I didn't want to get it wrong, but they say on their website that we are tellers of courageous love stories, specializing in wedding photography for adventurous brides. So what I love about that is that's a statement that lets me as a hypothetical bride here, it makes it very clear for me to understand what kind of photography I can expect from the SCOBYs. And it also gives me the opportunity to figure out very quickly whether or not I'm the right kind of bride for them. So if I'm looking for like a really, uh, you know, big, glitzy, glammy ballroom style wedding, the Scobies might not be my go-to photographers. But if I'm looking to get married, I don't know, outdoors in the open air on top of a mountain, then I'm probably going to give these guys a call first thing because they've already made it so clear and so easy for me as a potential client to understand what kind of photography they offer and how it's different and also really who it's for in that way. Yeah. And it it is rare that that you get to see such a clear definition of what a photography service is is being offered the way that the Scobies do. And let's continue. Do you have another example of a good brand position? Yes. So that was obviously a really specific example of, you know, kind of a real world application of that idea. But, um, Another kind of almost recipe for a more effective brand positioning statement that you could take and, and really implement in your own business was, you know, something like saying that you're a photographer specializing in luxury destination weddings for joyful couples through an elevated experience. So something like that makes it immediately clear what kind of photography or what kind of uh, events you specialize in. And it also makes it really easy for potential clients to understand what kind of um, couples you feel uniquely equipped to serve in that way. So this idea of focusing just on luxury destination weddings and, uh, you know, you know, something that you're offering to joyful couples who are looking for an elevated experience that automatically helps people who are maybe wanting a more low key, you know, not over the top or not, you know, very high end type of wedding know that, okay, maybe that's not going to be the right photographer for me, but someone who's wanting to go all out on a beautiful destination wedding, maybe like on a beautiful white 
sand beach somewhere, they can take a look at that statement and think, hey, that photographer is exactly who we should be chatting with to see if they're going to be a great fit for our wedding. And maybe they're available. So something like that, that just goes, goes deeper. I mean, can, can I play devil's ad, advocate there yeah. for just a second? So yeah. um, we use the words joyful and elevated. It kind of mm-hmm. reminds me of of the conversation that we were having earlier when you were talking about couples in love. Do you think that the words joyful or elevated can be too vague, or is there a way to make them less vague in, in a particular context of uh, of a brand position? That's a really great question. And I think that it's okay to kind of uh, incorporate some of those, I guess, for lack of a better term, kind of more generic descriptors like joyful and elevated when we're being more specific in other aspects of your brand positioning statement. So by being really clear about the fact that you're only focusing on luxury destination weddings, that automatically narrows down the scope of who you can serve to a much more narrow, you know, kind of section versus just saying that you're a photographer who, um, works with joyful couples through an elevated experience. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And and I like the distinction there. That's great. So one final example that I thought of would be uh, something for a potential hypothetical newborn and family photographer. And you could say that you are a newborn and family photographer serving families with special needs children in central Pennsylvania through personalized, intimate in-home sessions. And obviously, this is a very, uh, very specific and kind of tailored hypothetical example. But with that kind of statement, it's really easy. If you're coming to someone's website, it's very clear to you as a potential client what kind of photography they offer, what kinds of families, what kinds of clients they work with, and also how it's how it's so different from other family or newborn photographers in their area. Because by choosing to focus on a group of people and a certain type of family with with uh, special needs children, it makes it so easy for uh, for potential clients to understand how this is going to be a photographer who is uniquely equipped uh, to really serve them well. So, um, just kind of brainstorming some more ideas and kind of you know taking this this idea and going with it a little bit deeper. Um, this hypothetical photographer here is working with families whose children are actually going to really benefit from the way that he or she has tailored their sessions to be these personalized, intimate, in-home sessions. Uh, So that's going to be something where children with special needs are going to feel so much more safe and familiar and comfortable in those home environments. And so simply by outlining the kind of experience that that photographer creates with their clients, it makes it really clear and really easy for potential clients to assume and kind of gather that this photographer probably has experience with special needs families. And as a result, they've tailored their approach to what will serve their ideal clients best. And I I just, I have to say here, I, I love the specificity of that last example. I think it's the best one yet. It is so specific and and hypothetical as it may be, I, I think this is the type of specificity that that photographers need to begin to consider. It, it's not that their their businesses can't function as they are per se, but mm-hmm. when, when it, if they're actually looking to convert clients more consistently, um, especially if they're actually looking at analytics and the way that that potential clients are engaging with their website, in order to to convert more consistently and more readily, it's going to be more than just showing beautiful pictures, although that's certainly an Mm -hmm. element of the equation. We need to be able to make sure that we can clearly and definitively explain what that brand is offering them. And, I, and, and specificity is so important. So it may be hypothetical for the sake of conversation, but I don't think it's such a stretch that photographers look for that type of specificity when they're communicating their brand position. Right. And I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think that at least with photographers I've worked with in the past, there's with some of them, there's this almost this hesitation to become so specific and so laser focused with who they are and what they do and how it's different. Because I think there's this fear of alienating other potential clients. You know, if, if you only focus on a very specific kind of family or newborn session, then you are by kind of default alienating or not able to take on other types of photo sessions or different kinds of newborn or family sessions. But I think that the thing to remember here is if you are choosing to be one very specific thing to a very specific group of people, then there is more 
there's more profitability in that and there's more consistency in that and there's more possibility in what that can look like and how that can impact your bottom line than being the photographer for everyone. Does that make sense? It, it does. And and I think to just add to that and, and you know, going taking us back to the conversation about relationships and, and I have to be clear, I'm not meaning to minimize the significance of the personal side right. of the business that the photographer is very keen on developing and, 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 and proactive about de- developing relationships with their clients. It's so important. And I think actually this enables the photographer, this kind of specificity enables the photographer to, to potentially develop even deeper relationships with their clients because it's such a focused effort geared toward a very specific, very focused group of people. So I think that's really, really powerful. I think it, these are really important concepts that our listeners are going to be able to take a lot away from. And especially if they're able to apply it to their business right away, we'll probably see results immediately. We have just a few minutes left here. And, and I know that, that this is a conversation we could probably easily spend a two or three hours on. Um, and we're going to make sure that we share your contact info at the end so that our listeners um, can learn more about the services that you offer, potentially have conversation with you and, and kind of take the conversation further from there. But just to kind of finish up, will you walk our listeners through maybe three to five or so steps that they should take to begin to develop a clearer, more effective brand position right away? Absolutely. I'd love to. So kind of before I dive into some um, more actionable ideas, I just kind of want to give this disclaimer of, you know, your brand position statement doesn't have to feel hard, doesn't have to feel overwhelming. There's, um, you know, once we kind of break it there's no real magic or mysticism here. It's definitely something that you can navigate on your own. So just grab your favorite notebook and find a quiet place to sit down and just answer a few simple questions. Um, so much of this actually, I would say is already inside of your brain, but you just have to put it in the right order. So this is going to really kind of tie back in with a lot of what we've been saying since the very beginning of this conversation. And my first step is I need for you to know who you are. I need for you to be able to write down and articulate as a business owner, as a photographer, who you are. And then from there, I need for you to write down what it is that you offer and what kind of photography, not just, you know, being very general or vague with this, but be really specific and don't be afraid to be specific in the kinds of sessions that you offer. From there, write down and know who it's for. So know who your ideal client is and articulate that very clearly and concisely um, so that you can focus on creating a statement that really resonates with them. And then from there, also brainstorm ways that your process, your approach, um, your style, you know, all of these different things that go into the work that you do, figure out how it's different and lean into that. So don't shy away from it. Don't minimize it. Don't kind of gloss over it and act like it's not a big deal. All these these little things that we as creatives do differently are such amazing opportunities to inspire connection and to stand out in a really saturated industry. So put down on paper how your work is different and own that. And then take all of that as kind of the springboard to put together a brand position that you can actually weave throughout your messaging. You can kind of allow that to permeate throughout all the different touch points that you have online, in person, you know, in those kind of face-to-face conversations with clients and things like that. Wow. And, and again, we could probably have individual episodes or at least another episode to, just to cover these points and kind of dive into them a little bit deeper. You're right, though, that, that it is reiterating a lot of what we've talked about already. And I think that's important. The repetition is good. Um, this is a good conversation for me, and I know it's a good one for our listeners as well. You mentioned uh, trying to establish an ideal client. It's really important to understand who your ideal client is and how that associates with the particular type of photography or photographic service that you're offering. But very simply, I look to go kind of the opposite direction of what somebody is doing. So at the very least, when it comes to clearly establishing the differentiator and the service, the photographic service that you're offering as a photographer, make sure that you at least take time to look at the websites, you know, whether you go in the local Facebook group and then from there to the various websites of the photographers who are in your market and make sure that nothing that you're saying from a brand position standpoint and, and pretty much anything for that matter sounds similar to those photographers do something different. Make sure that you figure out a way uh, for your creative outlet then to 
uh, be a springboard to offering a service that is actually different than those in your market. And I think that's really, really important. It's, it's, it's honestly a very simple step that can be taken, but that simple awareness, knowing what other people are saying and saying something different um, will help set you apart. Do you have anything to add to that, Bonnie? Maybe some other thoughts? No, I am completely tracking with that entire concept. And I think that especially with the idea of community over competition and this idea of you know really embracing commonalities of photographers, creatives, people in the industry. One important thing to remember is that by paying attention to your competition and by intentionally doing something that's different, it's not, it's not that you are, you know, so actively competing against each other or, you know, trying to, you know, edge each other out. It's actually giving you both the space to flourish by focusing on what your competition is doing and then very intentionally crafting ways to make your approach, your messaging, your style, you know, whatever it is different. You're creating this space in your market where they can thrive doing what they do and the way that they do. And you also can thrive doing what you do and the way that you do. And that is just a really exciting opportunity. I think that's full of a lot of possibility and it makes, uh, makes this idea of really chasing after what sets you apart and how you can weave that into your messaging and into your experience as a photographer, uh, just really, um, really promising. Well, and I think that's a beautiful way to finish this conversation. It's so true. There's, you know, in, in a, an industry that is more and more relationship centric and community centric, our photography, wedding and portrait photography industry in particular, um, this mentality actually enables that that community over competition even more because it does create space for everybody to have their peace and, and even play off each other uh, very beautifully. Definitely. So I'm, I'm glad that, that you brought up that point. It's a beautiful one. And I really can't thank you enough for making time to uh, talk with our, or share with our listeners today. And, and we've, we've really kind of skimmed the surface of a massive topic here, but I'm so glad mm-hmm. that we had the opportunity to shed light on it. And I'd love for you to share where our listeners can find you online so that they can reach out and connect with you and learn about your services a bit more. Oh, absolutely. So uh, you can find me on my website at B is for Bonnie design.com or on Instagram at Bonnie Joy Marie. Perfect. So that's B, just the letter B is for Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E design.com and then Mm -hmm. Instagram.com slash Bonnie, B-O-N-N-I-E-J-O-Y-M-A-R-I-E. And you can find her there on Instagram. Beautiful, beautiful Instagram account, by the way. Thank and, you. Um, but but thank you again so much, Bonnie. This has been really wonderful. And you guys listening in, make sure that you go check out Bonnie's work and reach out to her for some help and, and maybe refining your brand position. And um, that this is, this is going to be so, so powerful for your business. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. Thank you.